I do thank Sandy <clears throat> for sharing all that she did and opening her heart to us. And I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But today we sort of enter what I might call the home stretch of the series that we're in called Teach Us to Pray. And we've been studying the Lord's Prayer. We've been praying that prayer and we've been using that prayer as a model. And some of us maybe have developed some habits that have started because of this series, praying that prayer at a certain time of the day. And, and we've been looking through those prayer prompts that have been sent out by email and social media over the past few weeks. And we're going to continue that for two more weeks as we finish this series up. But let me encourage you to, to stay with it to keep doing that because I think when this comes to an end, maybe we're gonna carry some of those things forward and explore some new ways to pray beyond even what we've done during this time to enrich our relationship with God. So let me encourage you to continue that. You know, Sandy really did share from her heart and she and her family went through one of those harrowing experiences that most of us, like we don't even want to think about the possibility of something like that happening in our family, but they were faced with it and she had to go through it. And it was a time of challenge. Maybe we could call it a time of testing. And I took that video several months ago, as you can see, it makes you want to hear birds singing and see flowers, right? But it's been a while, but I've saved that because I wanted to, to share it at the right time. And I think today is that right time because of the line in Jesus' prayer that I want us to look at today. You know, there are times in our lives where maybe there's something going on specifically in our family, in our lives that speaks to us and makes us feel like the power of evil is really at work, that the bad is somehow outweighing the good, especially when it's something that severe, or there's several things that are going on that seem like they're overpowering us. Or maybe it's a broader thing. Through our community, our nation, or even around the world, we're facing something that feels like a big challenge. And we've had that over the past couple years. And we see war in Europe. All these things that make us feel like the world is just getting worse. And so where is God in all of that? And how do we handle our relationship with God in the midst of things that feel like a test? Well, today, I want us to see what Jesus says about that. And to get into it, I want us to read this prayer one more time. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then our text for today, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that seems pretty straightforward, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But in truth, that one little section of this verse 13 really is a little bit difficult. It presents to us some challenges in interpreting it and then in praying this in the way that Jesus meant for us to pray it. So I want us to take it carefully. Lead us not into temptation. Now, the difficulty comes at the end of that line. The word temptation, the Greek word that stands behind our English word temptation really can be translated temptation or trial or testing. Any of those are perfectly good translations of the Greek into English. The question for the translators is, which one's right? Because they're not all the same word. Now, a lot of times you will see temptation there. That's sort of the traditional translation. But some of the translations say time of trial, which is just as accurate. And the thing is, we got to think about what we're praying. Lead us not into temptation. So is it possible for God to lead us 
to temptation? Well, I think we know the answer to that is no, because the Bible tells us that. If we turn over to, John, uh, to James chapter 13, I'll get it right in a second. James chapter 1, verse 13, this is what he says. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. You don't say that. Why? Because it's not true. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So James is saying, listen, you can be sure that when you're tempted, that's not coming from God. Why? Because inherent in temptation is the desire by the tempter for the person being tempted to give in, to fail. And so when we are tempted, the desire by the one tempting us is that we would give in to that temptation and fail. That's not what God wants. God never wants us to fail in our faith. He wants us to succeed. Now, James goes on to say that there are times we face testing and trial, and there God may be involved. But again, God wants us to succeed in that, to keep our faith. And it seems to me that that's some of what Sandy was facing, a test of her faith. Now, how'd she get through? Well, she talked about that, and I think Jesus points us to some of those things. So that word temptation might be better translated testing. Lead us not into testing. Hold that thought because we're going to come back to it in a minute. But let's look at the second part of that statement. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What's the last word that again gets us? Because that word the evil one could just as easily be translated evil. And so, again, we got to figure out through the context, the rest of the verse, what does it mean? But in this verse, it doesn't really help us so much. So if we say the evil one, that sounds like Satan, right? The evil one, the most evil one. If we say evil, that's sort of evil in general, the bad stuff that's going on in our world. So which one is it? Well, the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says, you know what? Evil is a slippery thing. And sometimes in our lives, evil feels like something just generally bad. There's all these bad things that are going on in our world and in my life, and it feels overwhelming. And sometimes evil feels very personal. Like the evil one is targeting me specifically, or my family specifically, or my church, or my nation, or whatever it is. Like I am being led astray from my faith, that someone wants me to fail. And so maybe Jesus has all that in mind. Because in many ways it is hard to separate the evil one from evil itself. But there's one more factor we need to bring into our understanding of this prayer. And that's that this prayer is a kingdom prayer. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus is looking forward to the coming kingdom. He spent so much of his ministry talking about the kingdom of God. And when he said that, he's talking about God's reign on earth. And it began with Jesus on a cross. So here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is looking forward, anticipating what's going to happen 20-some chapters later in the gospel of Matthew when he's on the cross. And the kingdom is coming in that moment. And so Jesus is thinking bigger than just my sin, my temptation, my testing, my trial. He's thinking cosmically of all creation, all people, where he dies on the cross for 
everyone. And so as we think through what Jesus means here, lead us not into temptation or testing, but deliver us from evil. Part of what we hear Jesus saying is, I'm going through the test for you. I'm walking through this so you don't have to do it. Depend on me because I've already won. And we're going to see that Jesus does win. Now, evil is not, doesn't go away at the cross, right? It's still there, but it points to the ultimate defeat of evil. Jesus has already won. You see, Jerry did give that away early in the service, didn't he? But we already knew that. We knew that in the end, God wins. And that's part of what this passage really is telling us. N.T. Wright talks about this passage and says, this is the kind of prayer we're praying. It is the prayer that the forces of destruction, of dehumanization, of anti-creation, of anti-redemption may be bound and gagged that God's good world may escape from being sucked down into their morass. That all of God's creation is brought together in him and the powers of evil cannot overwhelm it. And Jesus says, because of what he's going through, we don't have to go through it. In the garden, Jesus was preparing to go to the cross. And he turns to his disciples and and he says this, and I'm going to read from Luke chapter 22, and it's the same word temptation shows up here. He came out and went and was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, pray that you may not come into the time of trial, the time of testing, the time of temptation, because Jesus was going to do that for them. So as we think about this this little part of the prayer, lead us not into testing or temptation and deliver us from evil itself, from the evil one, because of the power of Jesus, what we are saying is, I can't do this on my own. I'm not strong enough. Whether we're talking about temptation or testing, guess what? I can't do it. I need help from God. And so we might say that what we learn from this line in the prayer is that in prayer, we admit our need for God's strength. I am not strong enough to do this, but because God is, I can walk through the most difficult of times. Now, if we think about how we work that out in our prayer lives and in our lives, I think there are three things that we can be really confident of that help us depend on God and know that God's going to walk with us through the most difficult things, that the powers are ultimately defeated and will be defeated clearly when Jesus returns. First, we can be confident that God wants us to succeed. We can be confident that God wants us to succeed. God is in your corner. Okay? And when we talk about the evil one, and we talk about Satan, that word Satan can be just as easily translated over as something like the accuser. You see, what Satan wants to do is to drag you into into court and sort of like a district attorney, accuse you of everything you've ever done wrong and make sure you feel guilty. You feel lost, like you will never be good enough. That's how Satan wants you to feel. And God is standing with you through Jesus Christ, standing beside you and saying, he or she is forgiven. Now, we're not denying that all that happened because we know we're guilty, but we're forgiven. We do not stand guilty in court because Jesus paid the price 
for our sin. God is in your corner. Second, we can be confident that there's a way out. We're going to face some struggle in our life. We're going to face temptation. We're going to face testing. It is not pleasant. We don't want it, but it's going to come our way. But part of the message of Scripture is because God is so powerful, we can know that we're never going to be tested beyond what we can handle with Him standing next to us. And, and we see that over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says this, So if you think, think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So, when you face whatever's coming your way, what you can know is, I'm not trapped. You see, the evil one wants you to feel trapped. The evil one wants you to feel like there's no other way than just to, to give in. To give in to temptation, to give up on life, to give up on everything that God has given you. But what Paul's saying is that God gives you a way out because he's involved, because he's there, because he's already won. And that's the third thing you can be confident of. God wins. He already has won. Because of Jesus on the cross that has taken the power of evil, evil is defeated. Now, there's some things going on that are still ugly because they're the death pangs and evil trying to strike back. But in the end, God wins. And we can depend on that. Now, you know, evil takes a lot of different forms in our world. And if you were a Christian who is hauled into, and there were Christians in the death camps during Nazi Germany, because of their extreme beliefs, they were taken there. Evil looks like one thing. If you're a Christian, and there are many Christians in Ukraine right now, that evil takes a different look. Or if you're a parent or a very sick child, evil might look different still. But in all that, what we find in the midst of everything that we're facing is that God is more powerful than any of those things. And when all of them have been defeated, God will still be left standing. And so in prayer, part of what we're saying is, I can't do this, but God can. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful that you're more powerful than any of the evil that we're going to face, more powerful than the evil one. And so, God, we pray that you'll help us to depend on you and to make part of our prayer lives admitting our need for you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.